0: Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Chasing Thoughts was founded by strangers, two life coaches who met on TikTok and shared the desire to create a different kind of life coaching podcast. Instead of talking about how to do it right, the Chasing Thoughts podcast explores embracing our true essence to find a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment life coaches Keith and Mindy take a unique approach that transcends popular notions of perpetual happiness and striving relentlessly to become one's ideal self. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life.
1: Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm a strategic interventionist and stoner-spirited life coach.
2: Hi, my name is Mindy, and I am an authenticity empowerment coach.
0: Welcome to Chasing Thoughts.
2: Good morning. Hey, how you doing? I am doing well. I am very excited about our conversation today. I think this is a really good topic.
1: Yeah, this is gonna be really good.
2: Yeah, so we were talking about just covering like what is positivity? What's toxic positivity? How do you have a positive outlook in your life in a genuine way? Yeah, those are good questions.
1: Yeah, and I've seen over the last couple of weeks, I've seen so many examples of people trying to use positivity as a way to control the outcome of things. Um, whether it's affirmations, um, a three six nine method. Um, I don't know if you I don't even know it.
2: what that is. No,
1: yeah, I guess I guess it, it it stems from like Nicholas Tesla. Um, something about three six nine, th- those numbers. Um, and you write something down in the in, in, in the morning three three times, you know. I, I'm grateful that you know my business is flourishing, something like that, you know. Then in the afternoon you write it down six times. Then in, at night you write it down nine times and then it's supposed to then happen, you know, but it's all, it seems like a lot of the things that I see, it's it's used for control, like do this and you're going to get this, you know, without looking at intention, without looking at any of the other um, circumstances that that surround it um, and even, even using prayer.
2: Yes. For it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes me think about, like the diet pill phenomenon, right? Like people people know, okay, I need to eat less and move more, right? Like it's a simple equation to lose weight, but nobody wants to exercise or eat less. So we all just want to take a pill and have it magically happen. And I think you're right that some of these tools might work given under the right conditions, right? But you can't just live a negative life, never look at your belief systems, never feel your emotions, write things down. And then voila, it's like magic. Yeah. going to change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes so much deeper than, than all of that. I mean, I, I think, I think intention is the most important part of, of the whole thing, you know, cause I can sit there and I can be positive doing affirmations, whatever, whatever it is that you use for positivity. But if if I'm questioning everything, or if I'm like, oh, this this is not going to work. This is all just BS. Whatever, you know. And I'm I'm coming from a place of scarcity and fear and all that stuff. It's that's what you're putting out, regardless of what you're actually doing. It's sort of like like when we talked about the fake it till you make it. You know, it's almost like this spiritual fake it till you make it. You know, let me just put out these words that sound good and all that. You know, but my intentions and my my emotions are still just full of fear.
2: Yeah. I actually felt that when The Secret came out and The Secret was really big, that it was kind of irresponsible because it wasn't complete in exactly what you're saying. That yeah. when people sort of give these quick fixes and then someone tries it and it doesn't work, I don't think they're better off. I actually think they're worse off than where they started. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because now there's more disbelief, right? There's less hope. I always like to think like, especially when it comes to people, when they talk about like manifesting in the secret, like the universe is like a drive up window. So you drive up and they say, okay, can I take your order? And you're like, I'll have an order of true love. And then the universe says anything else with that? And you go, oh, but all the good guys are taken already. And the universe has anything else with that? And I don't have enough money to really be like a qualified, like good candidate for someone else. And then, right. You go, okay, we'll drive right up and get your order of almost getting true love, but not getting it because there's not enough people and you don't have Right. Cause it's the whole picture. It's not just the first thought it's everything that's coming behind it.
1: Right. Right. I do. I love that analogy too. Like a drive up window, you know, like, like just ordering like fast food, like you go up, You do it once, too, and then you expect it just to be handed right out to you when you get to that window, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be good. Whoa, my foot just slipped.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really am excited about this conversation because it's personal for me. I grew up in a family where we just sweep everything under the rug and we just pretend everything's okay all the time even if we hurt each other, right? We still just pretend it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen, right? It's like, like that sort of attitude. And for me, you know, I think it's partially because of my sort of neurodivergent brain, you know, I'm autistic, I have ADHD. So I take things very literally. And then growing up in that environment, it felt like nails on a chalkboard, like, right. It feels so uncomfortable when I don't feel that alignment that what's happening is actually being represented. Yeah and so I feel that way when I encounter toxic positivity or when I share with something somebody you know something vulnerable and they respond with one of those kind of like toxic you know sayings like, oh well, it all happens for a reason and if you're just positive <laughs> right and discount your feelings. And so for me, I think this has sort of been a lifelong investigation of, okay well, if it's not just thinking a better thought, what does it really mean to be more optimistic? And how do you actually become a more optimistic person grounded in reality?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where, what I've learned is when people talk about doing the work, that's the work that has to be done, you know? So our, our brains are, are wired to be negative you know like psych- psychology says we have its ne- negativity bias built in yep. and for 2 million years of human existence negativity was vitally important to our survival you know if we weren't looking for that predator you know when we were out hunting and gathering then we were dead so there was there was a huge um benefit to looking for the bad you know but we we live in this society now where life is not, and, and I, I don't want to make a general statement, you know, cause I know for, for a lot of people, life is very difficult, but um, for again, a lot of people, life is easy. I mean, I could literally sit on my couch, order a car that's delivered to my house that I can then drive to a restaurant where my food is just going to be brought right out to me. You, you know, if, if I need clothes, whatever, I can just have everything delivered without stepping foot off or step, stepping my butt off my couch.
0: yeah.
1: So we live in a, in, in a very simple world, but we have more chronic stress that, that goes on because when we allow our brains to go free range, you know, like, like our chicken, (laughs) it's going to naturally go negative. So the work is putting in taking active control of our thoughts and bringing them to a better place and i used to have a huge issue with the term toxic positivity (laughs) Um, so i would i would love to hear like what what to you what that means
2: yeah to me i would say that so i've talked before about my experience of there's three ways to know something i can mentally understand it i can oh get it emotionally And then I can know it, which means I operate that way, right? It's my MO, it's my body. Those are the three ways. And so positivity, like genuine optimism change is all three of those aligned, right? Toxic positivity is only the mental construct of something. Mm. Like, so for example, um, you know, I really feel like people didn't like me at this party that I went to but I'm just gonna say that everybody liked me and everything's good because that makes me feel better to say that, right? And it's all right here. It's not me sitting down and going, you know what? I need to spend some time with this. Like, why do I feel this way? Why would that be my assumption that people don't like me? What's really happening, right? And going into belief systems or past pains or where things need to be healed, which is helping bring that down. So I think it's just sort of what I would call like a level one, you know, trying to solve a situation and not really doing the work to pull it down into your body and your emotions.
1: I have never heard of it explained like that. that and I, I absolutely love that. That That is that is such a cool way to look at it, where it's just the words that you're, that you're saying and words that you don't fully align with. Because I think that when we're in that, we still feel the truth you know, yes. in, our, in our hearts, but yes. we're just saying the words that we're supposed to say so that we can appear to be a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Cause I, I used to have such, such a hard time with that, with that, um, term, the toxic positivity, because when I was starting my own growth process, um, I was trying to make myself more, more positive. and everything that everybody told me was that's just toxic positivity. You know, it was almost like I had to accept that I have disorders, that I am damaged for the rest of my life, and that I will constantly need some type of medical assistance, whether it's therapy or, or pharmaceutical help um, to, to fit into their sort of box of what how they saw me. Yes, and I even talked to my my boss at the time, and it was actually at a mental health program. I was talking about positivity, and and um, and uh, there was one one saying that I had heard where pain is uh, uh um and inevitable in life, but suffering is optional. And yeah. so she said, "Go tell that to a mother that just lost her child." And I'm like, "Who the hell would do that? Who would go up to somebody that just lost a child and be like?" You don't need to su- like, no, of course you're going to suffer yep. for, for a long time, but there still comes this point of a choice, you know, cause that's why we, I mean, with the um, was it, the five stages of grief, we're supposed to move through that. Once we get stuck in one of those stages, that's where problems come up. And I don't want to be challenged with that. I don't, I don't want to lose one of my children or Sandy, you know, wow. um, but it's, it's being able to move through that. And I don't know, I mean, are are there people that do give that advice, like no matter what happens? Oh, hey, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Hey, there's a silver lining in there somewhere. You know, like if there are, like those people are assholes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I would say they are sort of disembodied, right? Because oh, yeah. it's not the truth. And I think there are people in our world who live completely disembodied, totally in their head and their mental constructs. And that's the kind of responses that you might hear from someone like that. Because I agree, you know, it's good to feel it all. I think where the work comes in, and we've talked about this before, is not identifying with it. So for example, my accident, my car accident was eight or nine years ago now. And I still feel like I'm working on everything that came from that. But there was a time, several times when I could have got stuck of just like, well, I'm a victim. I'm just, this is never going to happen. And pushing through that and going, no, I'm going to own more of the story. I'm going to find more ways, like more gifts in this. And I think that was real and genuine for me. And it also has been eight years, (laughs) right? And there's a part of my mind that thinks that it shouldn't have taken that long, or I should have been able to get over it right faster. I think we even put our pr- pressure on ourselves to do that.
1: Right. Yeah. I know for, for me, it was, it, it was, I guess, like you said, still kind of going through it, but it was a 20 year um hole that I was, that I was stuck in, you know, Um, once I got out of the military, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um And then, all, my entire focus went to why is why do I feel this way I hate feeling this way the language in my head all my thoughts were stop being a bitch you're a coward you're weak you know um, and then I was putting out my the, that anger and the rage that I had was was my way to try to appear like a tough guy even though I was completely broken inside you know to hide that that shattered soul that I had at the time. And when I started a simple gratitude practice, but not just saying the words, like you said, like just like that sort of head knowledge, you know, but feeling the emotion um, within a couple of weeks, I started feeling better. And now, you know, five, six years later, I'm at a point where I can just think I want to feel gratitude and I can feel the emotion just bloom inside of me. Without thinking about, okay, what am I grateful for? You know, and then I realized that I'm literally grateful for everything. I even saw a video yesterday that um talking about you go outside and you're like, this is my favorite tree. And then you see another one be like, this is my favorite tree, and then this is my favorite where just everything is your and and your favorite. and that's why when I dove into, learning about as, as much as I could about about our universe, you know, the planet, space, gotta, I mean, everything. And there are just millions and millions and millions of miracles that happen around us every day. You know, so I think you have two, two types of problems that you deal with, like safe problems and like real problems. So losing a child, health issues, those are real problems. So I'm not gonna go up to somebody and be like, well, just think happy thoughts, you know, and like Peter Pan it. But most of the problems that we deal with are not problems. You know, like on Friday nights, I'm on a pool. league. I play a bad plate game of pool and I'm ready to snap my stick in half. That's not a real problem, you know, because I, I still understand that it's a Friday night and I'm playing pool. So how bad is my life right now?
2: Mm-hmm. you know,
1: but if I just let my thoughts go, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. You know, so that's where it's doing that work where you start to integrate like the thoughts in, into the feeling yep. and it's the thought added to the feeling that creates the change that goes on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I would say there's maybe two levels, level one, we'll call it what you're talking about, which is just this negativity bias that my brain has a habit of doing and changing that. And you said through gratitude and learning, which I think are two ways that you can totally change that. Just keep refocusing your brain. And there's a ton of science out there we know now about like the literal pathways in your brain being changed. So this isn't just woo woo stuff, right? Right, this right. Stuff. <laughs> and then I would say there's another level of becoming a more positive person where you're examining your story that you're telling yourself or your real beliefs. And I'll give an example of this. In my first marriage, if my husband would have a friendship with another woman, I would feel threatened, I'd feel jealous, I'd feel angry, suffering would happen. And then I thought, okay, why is this happening? And I went and looked, okay, well, I come from this religious background. Do I believe what they say about that? okay, well, let me look at all my relationships. Has this ever been a real, like I really started to get curious and look and look and look. And I realized the way, the place I was coming from wasn't me. It was the belief systems other people had given to me. Yeah. And now I'm in alignment with what I believe. And my husband right now has beautiful friendships with other women. And I'm so grateful for what they add to his life and what he adds to their life. and I'm in huge gratitude about that. Like when I see him looking at his phone laughing and he's like, Oh, I'm texting with Sarah. I'm like, Oh, that's beautiful. Right. But in order for me to do that arc, I had to get in touch with me and look at stories and make some real big internal shifts. So I think that positivity can be, or like retraining yourself to be a more positive person can happen on both those levels.
1: Yes. Yeah. In fact, that's where I, where I got the name for, for my, my, my coaching business Breakpoint. Yeah. Um, I I, I saw a documentary. It was talking about waves, you know, like when I think about, I'm like, I am such a dork. I like, I watched like an hour and a half movie about waves, you know? Um, But it talked about as, as the, as the water comes in and, and the ocean floor rises, it pushes the water up and it builds and builds and then it naturally with gravity breaks um and so i thought if i let my mind just go and i've trained my like i've always said i i never had an anger problem i had a mastery of anger i was like the michael jordan of anger i could get pissed at anything and everything you know um but I was so weak because I never exercised the the emotional muscles of peace of joy, you know. If something came in, if I walked into a surprise party and everybody had gifts for me, yeah, I'm happy. But I couldn't just sit there and feel happy, you know, because the thoughts would take over and I always go to that bad place. So I started training myself to be calmer. You know, I I went out driving, creating an intention. get pissed you know you can't practice being calm when you're calm you're already there you have to be pissed to practice being calm and driving was always a huge trigger for me and I, I lived about an hour away from where I was working and I would I would leave early and drive in the slow lane on the highway the entire way and I was like white knuckling the steering wheel I was like in my head, just like these freaking people get out of the, you know, but I, I forced myself not to react. And it's funny now, um, Sandy has, has more issues with driving than I do. Like we had a guy cut us off and he ran a red light, cut us off and then gave us the finger. And Sandy was like, he, you know, and I'm laughing. You know, and I'm just like, Hey, the guy's got to walk his path. If his, if his path is being an asshole, he's got to do what he's got to do, you know, good for him. And it just, it doesn't bother me at all anymore, but it took that time and it took that work based off that intention to get to that place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, that practice is being sort of in this anxious body with a a past of trauma. So anxiety. And so my brain wants to always say in a situation, this is dangerous. This is not comfortable. This is. And so my retraining has been leaning into like, it's all good. It's okay. Right. Like I, I feel safe right now. My body is warm. Like there's like just reminding myself, Oh, my husband's here. I'm in my house, whatever it is. To cultivate safety, cultivate safety again and again. And the more that I do it, the easier it is to go to, right. Like you said, it's a practice of doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've always looked at it. Like, you know, if I, I break my leg, I go to the doctor, he sets the bone, you know, gives me some medicine, you know, for the pain, and then sends me out the door and it and it heals. There's nothing I, I can do about that. Um but with the mind, I think we look at it sort of as the same way. You know, I'm gonna go to a psychologist or psychiatrist, a therapist, a coach, and they're gonna tell me they're gonna do the work. They're gonna tell me something, and then boom, it's gonna be different. or I'm gonna do it one time, and it's gonna be different. And then, like you said, I think when people come with sort of that mentality, it does actually more damage to them. Cause you can even say, look, get a, you know, start a gratitude and I am addicted to gratitude and they'll do it. And then something, you know, they do it to try to control a situation and the situation doesn't turn out the way they wanted. And they're like, see, none of this works. This is all crap. And then it sort of puts them deeper into their belief system of that, that sort of being a victim of their own circumstances.
2: Absolutely. 100% and well said. And I just had a situation with a client that was like this, done a ton of growth. And now we're at a point where some new choices and goals need to be made. And they said to me like, well, what, what should I do next? And I was like, no, that's in here. Like you tell me what you want to do next. I'm your fiercest supporter. Like I've got your back, I'm here for you, but I don't run the show in this relationship. So we can brainstorm, right? But if I choose something for you, it's not gonna be the right thing because you've got your nowhere inside, right? You have to. And I also think that people are out of practice with just taking control of their life, right? People don't wanna be the boss of their life. They don't want the personal responsibility. So in a coach-client relationship, putting that back on the client and saying, no, this is your show over and over again is part of the practice of helping them learn how to show up for themselves.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I had a similar situation where um, a newer client um, texted me and was like, should I do this? You know, and like, you, you have to make the choice. So I can, I can sit there and say, okay, if you, if you do this, then this is what can happen. Then if you don't do it, then this is what can happen. But it has to be your choice. What do you, what do you feel aligned with? What feels right and true to you? You know, I think so many times, especially when we get into that, that dark place that we get stuck in, we end up not believing in ourselves so much that whether it's, what to watch on TV or where to eat or something. We always want somebody else to make the decision because we've convinced ourselves that no matter what, we are wrong.
2: Yes. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. I'm glad that you said something because similar to toxic positivity, I believe can be this attitude of making the best out of it, which sounds good. And yes, that is a valuable skill, but I would argue that A high percentage, like maybe 80% of clients, struggle with knowing what they do want, what they like, what they don't like, because their whole life they have made the best of whatever situation they have been in. And so they're totally disconnected. And I think that is a key piece of making the best of it or being positive. If it's disconnecting you, it ain't working. (laughs) It's not what is supposed
1: to happen yeah making the best of it to me seems like a a survival tactic
2: yes
1: you know um for some reason like my brain just went to that movie lone survivor I don't think Um, I know that oh it's it's such an amazing it's it's a hard I think I I think it's a hard movie to watch but it's an amazing movie it's about um Navy SEALs that were inserted into Afghanistan and um Through some situations that went on, they ended up being like overrun and they were up on a mountain and they literally, I think twice threw themselves off a mountain and um, only one of the, of the team ended up surviving. Um, And uh, that is making the best of a situation, you know, like, I mean, you're doing that to survive. And I think in just in, in normal everyday circumstances, when, we, when we're constantly living in that survival mode, that's what we're doing, you know, because we're seeing everything is bad, no matter what it is. And then, all right, let me make the best of this. And it's more of a reactionary response, you know? Um, and then there's the biological stuff that happens just in our brain, like our creativity shuts down. You don't need to be creative when you're running from a saber-toothed tiger or something like that, you know? You're not gonna sit there and draw a great piece of art while you're hauling ass, you know, so being able to slow that down and I always say like two things can be true at the same time, you know, like in the, in the quantum world, you know, you have all these possibilities that are real, you know, and it's not until you choose one that I think they call it quantum collapse, you know, where all the yeah. possibilities collapse down to the one reality. And it's cool too, because I guess like there's theories and other universes, all those other decisions happened, you know, with all those other use, which just blows. I love that stuff. But um, when, when when we face it in a better way, and this is what positivity means to me and does for me, is when I live my life in a more positive place so that I'm not making up problems that aren't really problems, then when something happens that is serious, I can respond to it in a better way instead of just reacting without thought, you know, from that survival mind, um, which generally I found makes, makes the problem even worse.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that is very well put. And when we find ourselves, for example, in a relationship with someone who belittles us, but we go, oh, but they have all these other nice qualities or in a job that's toxic, but we say, oh, but I make a good paycheck, right? That's, making the best of it, making excuses of it. And it's not actually following our truth because the, the bad feelings come to help navigate us to where we're supposed to go. They're information for us to look at and to guide us. And when you just cover up those bad feelings, you're going to end up in the wrong place for your life, right? You're not going to end up in your most authentically aligned place.
1: Right. Yeah. I was, I was so proud of my daughter. Um, probably about six months ago, she worked at a law firm, the head of the firm, it was a real estate firm, and they were making multi-million dollar deals. And the guy that ran it was such a toxic, angry individual. You know, he would forget to send an email and then blame his employees for not reminding him or something. And she got to the point where, like, so she went to school full-time, worked full-time, planned a wedding, wrote a book. She has this weird motivation that I am, I'm so envious of. I'm like, you know, like I, I get out of bed and like walk to the couch and I'm like, I've done a lot today, you know, (laughs) and she's doing all this stuff and, and it's amazing. And she ended up coming home from work and just sitting on the couch, you know, doing nothing because she was so miserable, so full of anxiety, all kinds of stuff. She walked away from that job and took like a twelve thousand dollar pay cut a year. Um, you know, they her and her husband worked out their budget, and and her husband was like, "Yeah, do it, get out of there." And now she's in a better place at a, at a different law firm, where she has more responsibilities, less pay, but she is back to doing all the things that she loved doing before. You know, um, it, it is it's so important to be able to listen to our body and the warning signals like anxiety, again, we've turned it into a disorder. Anxiety is like, I heard it, like, um, uh, your fire alarm going on in your house and just going into a room that's farthest away. So it's not as loud, you know, and then just ignoring it, you know? And it's like, no, it's, it's there for a reason. What is it telling you? You know, but when we try to make the best of that situation, you know, we end up trying to numb what we're feeling and deny those feelings. We're not listening to the warning that it's giving us. So we need to be able to sit down and spend some time reflecting on what we're feeling, why we're feeling that, you know, uh, and see what's going on.
2: Yes. Yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker? No. It's That's a great a- book. And he's talking about exactly what you're saying is that fear is this natural sort of intuition. It's this feeling, you know, like when you get goosebumps, right. That tells you something in your environment is off, but because we don't have a healthy relationship with fear, we're almost like de-evolving ourselves out of being able to use that like natural gift of our humanity, beautiful book. And it's exactly what you're saying that we become the most powerful when we are step back, we're the watcher. We understand, oh, that's this emotion. Oh, that's triggered by this childhood trauma. Oh, that's this insecurity. When we know ourselves, all of a sudden we can sort of become masters of our experience because we understand ourselves and what's happening with our emotions.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I would also say sort of, if we want to put it like a third bullet point that I was just thinking of is your environment in general. For positivity and negativity. If you are surrounding yourself with negative people or negative TV or negative news, it is going to be very challenging to cultivate a positive life. Yeah. Because yeah. misery loves company, right? We entrain to whatever vibration is around us. So if you're around people who are complaining, guess what? You're probably going to be complaining too. It's part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I I stay out of politics. I don't look at the news, nothing. And, and I, I hear it from people too. Like, they're like, well, how, how you, you gotta be informed. Like informed of what? Yep. You know, I don't want to be informed of all of this stuff. You know, everybody telling me what to be afraid of. And that was a decision when, when I stepped away from church, I decided I am no longer going to allow other people to tell me what I need to be afraid of. Yes. because they always have some type of an agenda. Yes. You know, and and even even like when they talk about politics, they say when you strip away the party line, you know, most Americans agree with things. You know, but then when you put in the party talking points, you know, that's when that division goes on. You know, and I think that's the the cause of it for that division because now we're fighting each other. Yep. You know, in, in relationships, you know, I mean, that's always what it was, you know, um, listening or, or trying to deny that fear, trying to push it away. You know, after when I left the military, I blamed Sandy for everything, you know, because I could not accept the fact that it was me. And then in Christianity, especially growing up r- religious and, and you'll know be, being being a woman and a wife all the responsibility falls on you guys for some reason. Like the guy can do whatever he, I mean, there's even stories in the Bible of guys going off and sleeping with other women. And it's like, all right, you're cool. You're cool. But what is it like in Leviticus? If the wife is suspected of it, she has to drink a poison. And if she lives, then no, she wasn't cheating. But if she dies, then she was like the witch trials, you know, if, if if the witch drowns, then she, she was uh, not a witch, but if she flew or something, however it went. Right. wow, like all of that goes on the woman for some reason. And I just went right in that blamed her for everything. Cause it was easier than, than sitting with myself and saying, you know what, you got some major issues you're dealing with, you know, and, and you got to like uncork your head from your ass.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glennon Doyle does a beautiful inquiry into even just the garden of Eden. And this idea that, man was fine and then woman sinned and made him eat the apple right oh,
0: yeah.
2: her fault that he fell and just sort of the origin story and how this sort of um story plays out in the bible and how important it is that we change that narrative because women are still fighting that right
1: yeah you know sadguru talks about that in one of his books i forget which one but he has this amazing take on it where he talks about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right or or good and bad and he said when when adam and eve ate of that fruit for the first time they were able to give a meaning to an experience this is good or this is bad and he said that is the is, is original sin you know he said that is the curse of of humankind being able to give a meaning that something is bad because that's where we get so messed up now of course there are some like like we've talked about cancer the death like those are bad things you're not going to be like hey this is good um but playing i miss a shot you know or somebody cuts me off nothing happened, you know or or whatever i i run out of chips or something, you know what I mean? Whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm flipping out, you know, because I'm giving it a bad meaning and that's what controls the emotional response. And I've never heard that before when it came to like the garden of Eden and all that stuff. But I was like, you know what, that is really good.
2: Yeah. From a philosophical standpoint, I would agree with that, that the more I release my judgment of right and wrong, and I just lean into like, This is a human experience. Whatever is happening now is the right thing that should be happening. This is it, right? The more peace I feel, the easier my life is to navigate. Challenging to do, right? But I think that also speaks to doing the work to find out what is the fundamental belief system you have about the world. So my belief system used to be something like Something's wrong and it's my fault. Yeah. And any situation that I went into, that was the filter that I was seeing things through. And then unfortunately, I would attract partners in situations where they thought something's wrong and it's your fault, like an external projector. And then that was a, a, a bad match, right? It, it enforced both of our belief systems. And now I try to, as much as possible, live a belief system of everything that's happening is, perfect. Why? Like everything that's happening is okay. Why? And sometimes I struggle with it and I can't get there, but it does make me look right. Oh, I just lost that job contract. Why could that be the best thing for me right now? Yeah. Right. And maybe I find the answer. Maybe I don't, but thinking that way helps me look and see what's actually happening and see if maybe there is Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I've been saying this whole time that I want more time to dedicate to my courses. Maybe losing this job contract was the universe going, yeah, Mindy, get off your butt and dedicate more time to these. Even though I don't see it that way. I'm just worried about my bottom line budget, right? Right, right? But being able to interact with life in more of this way of like a conversation, huh? huh? Instead of just responding to it from this place where I used to live, where I'm just was thought everything was my fault and I had to react.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do that. I do that. So, and it's like you said, it's so hard to stay in that sort of conversational mode with life, you know, because a lot of acceptance comes with that, you know, and, and sometimes the answer might not come for, for a little while you know, you might have to sit with a lot of uncomfortable feelings for a little bit before that answer comes. And I remember um, with all the therapy I did at the VA, there was one therapist that actually I felt heard from. Um, And ironically, she was an intern. So she was still in school and um, she didn't, she didn't know enough not to like to be dismissive yet. She hadn't learned that like lesson yet. Um, But she asked me, would I change anything if I could? And and my answer was no. And I, I didn't go through anything that the men and women of today have gone through, you know, but just seeing the aftermath of of a genocide in Bosnia, I I was it, I remember a moment where I felt like I was gonna, I felt like I had this massive vertigo, you know, mm-hmm. um, with this one with just one um, I- incident that went on. And and it was from there that everything sort of changed and and so i I grew up thinking everything is my fault, you know, so I, I apologize to everybody for everything. But then I started to believe that the world is made up. Human beings were not, you know, great apes. We, we are parasites. We feed off each other until we've gotten everything we can out of each other, and then we discard each other. you know, and i I still I still struggle because I still see a lot of that. you know, a friend of mine, her social media, like somebody which which is amazing, stole all of her social media to create some a page about how they're gonna teach you how to invest in in, in Bitcoin, but it's her and her boyfriend on some random person's page. And then she was like, you know, when she like a whole bunch of people reported it. And and the answer from Instagram was, well, it's not hurting society. So, you know, deal with it. And I'm like, this is her work. You know, so I struggle with that because I'm like, all right, that's a parasite, you know, but I also believe that people, even when they're doing wrong, they're doing stuff to protect themselves, even when it's, it's a, it's coming out across in a very horrible way. Um, And that, that's a hard thing to accept, but it allows me to see them more out of pity than out of anger and hatred and judgment.
2: Yes, I would agree with you that most bad behavior is sort of innocent in the way that people are just really ineffectively trying to meet their needs. And like you said, you don't know this person's story. Do they have a bunch of kids they need to feed? Do they have, you know, uh, were they, did they go through some trauma where they're so upset about who they are, they have to use another person's image. Their story is their story and it doesn't make it right. And it doesn't mean that you can't have boundaries or pursue legal action or, you know, do whatever you need to do, but it does mean your heart can be in a more compassionate space of saying, this is where you are in your level of consciousness. And this is how many tools you have to use to get your needs met. And, you know, I hope that you learn more someday.
1: Yeah. And that, I I think that like what you just said to beautifully comes into, to me, that is my my whole sort of philosophy when it comes to positivity it's not going to change anything um except how i feel about the situation you know it's not going to change the situation that's what i mean you know um because i do think it does change things. i think it, it makes people more open to you it makes you know when when i have my mind in a better place it just sort of for some weird reason seems like better things happen you know um but it, it, the main thing is it allows me to go through something that I don't want to go through, but go through it with a better attitude and feeling better about myself, you know, feeling better as I walk through it than if I had that, that very negative outlook, which I would just be full of rage and hatred and selfishness, yeah. you know.
2: And I think there is some science behind seeing more of what you expect it's like when a woman wants to get pregnant all of a sudden she sees like pregnant women and babies everywhere right You, you buy a new car all of a sudden everybody has that car when before you never saw that car right whatever is in your sort of frame is like the filter you're seeing things through so it does i believe bring more positivity into your life not in a way that you can understand or it might not change a specific situation but overall i think that you do attract more positivity
1: yes yeah there there is a there is a part of the brain i forget what it's called cuz i i'm i'm like more into the mind i don't like the squishy parts of the brain like that's just that's so disgusting but there there's a part of the brain that we encode so like you said you go buy a new car you you're 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 coding that part of your brain to say this is what's important so then it shows you more and more and more of that stuff. So when we look at it in terms of positive and negative, if we have a negative outlook on life, it is going to show you a lot more negativity um, and the po- the good stuff, the positive stuff is just gonna right out, you know um, But if we have that more positive lookout on life, our outlook on life, It's going to start showing you more of that stuff. And it's amazing how small the things can become that make you feel so good. You know, I I was sitting outside yesterday um, with with my dog and she was just like laying down in the grass and stuff. And I was looking across the street, my like behind my neighbor's house, there's this massive tree. It's got to be, I don't know, 75 feet tall. And then it was just blue sky. And the contrast of the dark green on the blue screen, I was like, that's just beautiful. And I just sat there for like 10 minutes, just looking at the tree, feeling so good, you know, without putting effort into it, you know, um, it just made me feel amazing.
2: Yes. And I think that really speaks to presence, which is more embodied being part of the body And I had that, a similar experience as we have a park across the street. So I was walking with my husband and I was holding his hand and it was like a light breeze and we were going over the river and everything just felt perfect. And then my mind wanted to be like, oh, you should think about this work thing while you're walking, like try to think. And I was like, just, just feel your husband's hand. Just feel the sun, like just stay in this moment where happiness abounds, everything is okay and for me working on just my addiction to thinking has yes. been a huge part of my equation because i notice my brain just loves to be the boss of my life and i don't want it to be the boss of my life
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i love my addiction to thinking that is amazing Like that, just that little phrase, man, that like, that's like my takeaway from everything so far. Cause that I I live so much in my own head that I miss, like, I don't know how many times Sandy will be talking to me and then uh, I'll be like, I'm really sorry. Like my thoughts are louder than her voice. And I'm like, why do I do that? You know, but yeah, it's that addiction to thinking.
2: Yeah. And thinking- is good and fun, but I've been trying to make time for it. Like, okay, you're going to go sit in your office for five hours and research and nerd out and write something. And that's your thinking time sitting in bed at night before you fall asleep with your husband is not thinking time that's connection and present time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And making sure that I think about my life. And I was going to see this, uh, in regards to positive thinking is I still have to pick up that tool, positive thinking, consciously. So if I'm going into a meeting, I have to go, okay, what what am I thinking about here? What am I focusing on? Okay, how I show up? How do I want to show up? All right, well, I want to be compassionate, honest, right? Vulnerable. I can control those things. Okay, what am I going to look for in the other person, right? And I have to remind myself all through my day. When I'm in a fight and my husband and my brain wants to be like, he's so annoying. You said this a hundred times. I go, okay, where's that thinking going to get me? Yeah. Nowhere. Okay. So what's really happening here? What do I really want? I really want to be more connected with my husband. Right. What need of mine isn't getting met. Okay. like For me, it's just that constant sort of little explorer attitude where I'm looking at myself all the time and choosing to pick up a tool of positivity because it works better.
1: Yeah, that, that is such a great explanation. And, and it, it, that, that completely changed my marriage around, you know, so me me and Sandy got divorced and then uh, remarried three years later, and then it started to get rocky again. Um, And as I was learning from the coaching uh, classes that I was taking, I started to do that. Like I realized, I was asking myself, what am I focusing on? I'm like, I'm focusing on everything that annoys me. And then when I thought about it, is it something serious? Well, no, it's it's not, you know? Um, And I started to remember why I fell in love with it in the first place. And I started to see that, like when I met her, she was 18 and she was so playful and fun loving and didn't care what anybody thinks or says about, she's she was just going to do what she wants to do. Um, and, and that's one of the things that attracted me to her because I was so the opposite, you know, I was like always locked up inside and, and I have to act a certain way be a certain way. Cause nobody can judge me. Cause I live off of everybody else's thoughts and opinions. And, and I started to remember and see her through that lens which is still there. That's one of the things that both can be true. She could be annoying, which I can be beyond annoying. Um, But she's also that, that fun, loving, playful, carefree girl that I fell in love with. And it all's it, it all's that matters is what I focus on. Yep. You know, and for the longest time, I focused on this part, which then i saw more of the annoyance more of the frustration which then made me take it personal oh she's doing this to me you know yeah. and then while i'm over here she can literally like uh, the other day she was uh you know st- stressed with work and stuff like that and she's like i'm really sorry i was snapping at you yesterday and i was like i i didn't know <laughs> like i had no idea and and she's like yeah i was really i'm like no i just knew you're having a bad day so I, I was trying to be helpful or whatever, but I didn't know that you were snapping at me. You know, it yeah. almost like erased all that stuff. Yeah. So that that focus can change the whole dynamic of, of our relationships.
2: Yeah. I would say for me, 100%, I agree with you that a similar focus has totally altered our my, our marriage and the way we communicate. And I was able to learn it within my marriage before I was able to learn it in myself. Like I'm still working on that relationship with myself where I see my own thoughts and go, okay, what are you really going to focus on here? Like I'm working on it. Yeah. But sometimes it's a harder, harder internal show than it is with this person who I have a close relationship outside of me.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think there, there's so many times people that have a hard time in their lives they have the answers for everybody else you know and i almost think like if we can just sort of have that one person like all right you're you're in charge of my life you're going to give me all the answers i need i'll I'll give this person all the answers they need but when it comes to ourselves it is so much more difficult you know to to do it to do that work and and to have it take hold you know it's so easy to say these words You know, but then putting that work in, it is difficult.
2: And I think one of the reasons why it's difficult is because it's not two plus two equals four. It's not a positive affirmation. It's not, I write this down three times, six times. It is so much more nuanced and difficult for each individual. So there is no clear path. There is no do these 10 things and you'll be spiritually awakened or you'll be, you know, your personal growth and development will be complete it doesn't work that way. And that's what makes it so hard, I would say, and also so dang exciting.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing I fell in love with. Like our minds are, are a universe. Do you ever see like a picture of, it's, it's the universe, like really from like a, uh, almost like if you, if you looked at it from a great distance, the entire universe, there's like galaxies and then there's all these webs going it but it looks just like a brain scan of of like all the neural connectors and stuff and it almost like looked like the universe is just a gigantic mind you know because it looks so similar and there was um an experiment and i'm going to butcher this um but i i learned about it on the show cosmos with neil degrasse tyson so it's i believe they call the double slit experiment so the way that he, the way that he presented it, it was, they, they took like a piece of cardboard and they cut a slit in it. And then they put a light in front of that slit and with another piece of uh, like wall behind it. And they wanted to see if the light acted as a particle or as a wave, mm-hmm. right? So if it was a wave, it would spread out and there would be like sort of this echo on, on the back wall. And what they found was, if you watch it go through the slit, it'll act as a particle but if you watch it on the other side it'll act as a wave so light is both a particle and a wave the crazy thing is and i and i don't know if i'm saying this correctly but it's it's you know it's kind of the same thing but if you if you intend to watch it go through in the future it'll act like a particle yeah if you intend to not watch it go through it'll act like a wave so a photon of light Can tell what your intention is and act accordingly. Like that blows my mind. That, that made me realize how important intention is, you know? And I even think like, if my intention is to become a multimillionaire and have all this money and, and all that, like, is that really like, is that, is that selfishness? Is that, you know, what, what is that? Even yesterday such a silly example but i was i was doing dishes um and you know like you're supposed to do dishes with hot water right and i turned the water on and i was just i was tired and i'm like i don't want to wait you know the 30 seconds whatever for the water to heat up so the water's still cold and i'm like it was based and it was my coffee cup and sandy's coffee cup and i'm like i'll just wash hers first and i was like what an ass like no, like just wait for it to heat up and do them. Like then do them both, you know. But I, I then intended to save myself time by being selfish and then cleaning hers. So then she's drinking out of a dirtier cup than mine, which then will have the the hot water, you know. So it's that intention is everything, and nobody would ever have known about that, but it would have changed how I felt. Mm -hmm. You know, when when I realized that just that stop and that wait for another 10 seconds, I was like, I did something good. You know, like I I honored myself and it felt so much better.
2: Yeah. What I love about that story is how you are not your thoughts. And there are many people who are still identifying, oh, I thought that I must be a bad person. I must be a selfish person. No, your thoughts are just your thoughts. A little crazy shit up there. <laughs> yeah. But you are a sum of your choices, right? So you chose something different. That's who you are, right? And that subtle difference can be huge when, at least for me, as I you know try to take this path of learning to love myself more and more and more, it's not my outcomes. It's not my thoughts. It's, it's my choices and yeah. my intention behind my choices. And if I judge myself by that, all of a sudden, my view of my past becomes very different. And I have a way more self-compassion.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. There, there was um, an episode of Family Guy where um, Peter Griffith, he he was he wanted to go over to his friend's house. His friend was having a hard time, and but he was fighting. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this, you know, like listening to him cry about this. And then there was the angel and the devil, you know, on his shoulder. The devil's like, look, you know, he's a grown man. He could deal with it. And the angel's like, hey, he's your friend. He need, you need some help. And finally the angel Peter got so pissed. He he grabbed the devil, put a gun to his head and was like, shut up. And then he started yelling at Peter. like, get your ass over there. And I'm like, that's what we got to do sometimes with our thoughts. You know, our consciousness needs to grab our thoughts by the neck and jack it up and just be like, you know what, shut up and do the right thing. You know, um, and sometimes that's what it takes. It takes that. This is what I feel, but so what? It's just a feeling. This is what I'm going to do.
2: Yes. Yeah. I think that sort of love, what I would call hard love or tough love is so valuable and underrated, not only within our internal relationship, but even in our marriages and our friendships. And I feel so lucky to have people in my life who call me out and go, Mindy, you got to go fix that shit. That was bullshit. What You just did over there. And still love me completely for it. There's no judgment. There's no, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Right. But they hold me accountable. That to me is love. Like, I love that part of love. And I'm so grateful to have relationships like that.
1: Yeah. It's so funny. You said like yesterday, um, Sandy was yelling at me because I was making all these excuses why I can't do something I want to do for the, and, and, and she, and she was like, I think that when you do this when I start putting out um, like videos, course, whatever it is, you know, um, she said, I think that's when you're going to release all of this tension you have of, is this going to work? Is this not going to, because that's all just crap, you know, whether it's going to work or not, doesn't matter. What matters is am I doing what I'm aligned with? So as I'm making all these excuses, she brought me back into the, to the office. And it's like, I have a bunch of stuff around because I'm still kind of building it. um, But And she started to show me how I can actually do this, you know, and, and she wasn't the nicest about it, you know, but because it's been like an ongoing thing and she's like, you just need to just shut up and do it. Yep. Stop listening to the excuses that your brain is going to tell you, stop listening to the mind and your thoughts and just do it, you know? Um, and, it was like, so motivating. I even, I sat down last, I started jotting down like all these notes and brainstorming, you know, how, how I'm actually going to get this done, you know? So yeah, she holds my feet to the fire and there hasn't been too many times that she's done that, but when she does, it always works out so well for me, you know? Um, You know, when she gets behind me on something and she really believes in it, That to me is like validation that, all right, I'm going in the right direction.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And again, speaking to the value of having people who are your fiercest supporters. And I would say as a life coach, that's one of the values I bring to my coaching relationships is for a lot of folks, they're working on something that they're too embarrassed or not ready to bring to the close people in their lives. And so a non-biased person, me, who can just be like, yes, this is you. You've got this. You're on the right path. Even that is so valuable. Yeah. Just a tiny piece of the relationship because we all need it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell like my clients like I'm going to believe in you until you can start believing in yourself until you yep. you, you gain that strength to to believe in yourself. You know, one of the first clients I worked with, I am so proud of her. I, I I'm not able to talk to her as much as like I want to, like just keep because she's so busy. But she was going to school because her parents wanted her to do that, you know. And she's like, all right, so she got her degree, and her parents wanted her to get into business because that's you know safe, and she wanted to be a pilot. And so I found out that she's actually in flight school. And I just started like dancing around. I was, it was just so amazed that she followed that through. Um, and I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, so when I when we first started, it was like, it's just a dream. It's all it is, you know, a kid's dream, whatever. And I'm like, no, we need to be kids. We need to dream. We need to use our imagination as adults, because for some reason, we're just convinced that, like, you know, when once we hit like first or second grade we got to put our imagination away, you know, and do real things, you know, but I mean, it's, it's just so amazing. And now that she's believing in herself and then taking the steps like that's to me, it's, it's better than any form of payment. You know I mean? It gives me so much joy just seeing, seeing that, you know, seeing the joy in in her and other people is is amazing.
2: Yeah. You know what it made me think of listening to your story is we've talked a lot about, you know, positivity and how to use your mind and emotions and things like this. But what you're talking about is even another piece where there's this natural positivity that comes through play and imagination and daydreaming and all these things that mostly our society says, get rid of those things. Right. And having to learn to recultivate those things, because that's where positivity naturally lives. That I think is another key piece to the whole conversation around positivity is finding ways to invite more play and imagination. I tell my clients all the time, are you daydreaming? How much are you daydreaming every week? Because that's going to get you in touch with that vibration and all the possibilities. It's going to connect you.
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched a documentary about Stephen Hawking and they interviewed his mother, and um she said that when when he lost the ability of speech, it kind of trapped him inside. She said, "But instead of taking on this like woe is me type attitude, which I would if I was in 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 his position. I mean, he he saw himself, he knew the odds of be just being alive, even in in with the disease that he had. And so he still saw his life as a miracle. And his mother said that it allowed him, when he was unable to sort of communicate as easily, it allowed him to move from a believer into a seeker. Mm -hmm. And he started to think about the things that nobody else was thinking about, daydreaming and just his imagination. And that's how he came up with some of his, his greatest theories that are all being proven true you know later on years later because he he opened his mind to seeking you know and that's such a we're always told what to believe you know again with religion politics whatever we're always told what to believe but belief puts you in this box i have to believe from a to z anything outside of that i got to toss away you know um but seeking lets you have an open mind to be able to play with things that aren't there. And that's where I think magic happens.
2: Yes. Yeah. I think that's where as a nerd, I, I call it like getting in touch with my warrior energy, right? Like, okay, I'm on a quest, right? Because that's what we love. Or I love, I love books and stories about someone who has to go on a quest and find the answers or find the solution or whatever it is. Well, that's me too, in my life, inside myself, right? With the people in my world. And when I look at reality that way, like this is all here for me, like then it becomes a totally different story than, oh, I'm here to fit in, or I have to find a way to make this work or right. If that level of play arises, all of a sudden it's different. And you yeah. sometimes happens for a day or a week. I imagine someday I'll be able to hold it for a year.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Right. I don't know, but at least I'm aware that it exists.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Jim Carrey said something very similar. Like he was talking about um, Eckhart Tolle and when he got into higher states of consciousness and he said, now I, I slide in and then I slide out and then I slide in." And, and he said, hopefully one day I'll I'll slide in and stay there. But yeah, I mean, this, this universe is so magical you know i mean they, they don't they they can't find the center of the universe but what they found was that it's relative to the observer mm-hmm. so as we're speaking right now i am like just a little nothing on this planet you know but at the same time i am the center of the universe because i am the observer and while i am you are the center of the universe as the observer so the the universe is centered around every single human being on this planet. Like, yeah. that's just amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think that there is untold power in that. And I've only touched it a couple of times. I'll tell you one story. I know we're getting close to the end of the hour, but. When I was going through a divorce with my first husband. It was horrific, like years, restraining orders, like break-ins, a guardian ad litem, like appointed by the court to investigate us both to see where my son should go, like horrible, horrible stuff. And I sat down on a park bench next to this guy once and I was just lost in it, right? About to go to my lawyer's office. And he strikes up a conversation with me and I said, "Ah, this is happening. I have to go to my lawyers. And I told him, and he laughed and said, Haha, why are you creating that in your life? And I thought, what a fucking dickhead.
1: Yes, dude. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and like we said, that is a dickhead move, don't do that. But I went home with the question, what's really happening here? What's really happening here? And about a week later, I went for this long walk and I realized that when I had gotten together with my husband, all of my abandonment wounds were there and i just said to his soul like don't ever leave me please don't ever leave me and we had some sort of soul agreement and he wasn't leaving me even with the restraining order right <laughs> and so i went on this long hike and like i woo woo like called his soul to me and was like thank you for everything you've done like you stayed with me thank you so much like i release you to go do whatever you need to do in this lifetime like i no longer need that and just found this like beautiful place of love and gratitude and let him go on a soul level. The very next morning, the police called me, they'd arrested my husband. He had had like all this check fraud that he was doing. He had meth on him and he went to prison for like the next six years and I didn't have to worry about it. Now, did I create that? Did I not create that? Right? I don't know, but it's the clearest Story in my life where I did something internal that changed my outer reality. Right. And it was like so much struggle. I did this internal thing clear.
1: That is such an amazingly beautiful story. Cause I've always wondered like confronted with something that's serious. Yeah. And still finding the good. So going out and just internally thanking him for everything for, for never leaving you always being there and, and still accepting what you were feeling, what you were going through, but still being grateful for the fact that, 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 you know, prayer that, that was answered for you. Yeah. And then letting, letting him go. That is so amazing. And I think that's, that's the, the perfect example of how we can still find good, Even while we're walking through
0: hell. Yes.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And that the more that we do so, the more that we are somehow connected to this power of the universe or things or interconnectedness, then we know and we understand. Yes. Right. And I I would call that all alignment between, you know, my heart, my soul, my thoughts, the universe, what actual truth is, what really happened. Right. When you get everything into alignment. Things can shift in a magical way, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we can get caught up on the questions like, you know, that I, it, it, because of this, did this happen? But it doesn't matter. You know, no. like, like I, I've been realizing truth doesn't matter. Belief matters. And just believing in, if I am in a better place internally, then externally things will be in a better place. Like, I mean, that is, that's powerful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been an excellent conversation. Anything you want to add at the end on positivity?
1: I I feel like we can go on for another three hours talking about this. Yeah. This, this has been, and I think that this is such a great story too to end on. Yeah. uh, So I think you said it perfectly.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to the chasing thoughts podcast. Please support us by liking subscribing, or leaving a review or comment, we would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at chasingthoughtspodcast at gmail.com.